The Process, a podcast about creativity and making music. In a world where maybe no one is listening, outcomes and accolades for contemporary classical composers can seem far and few between. Therefore, composers must embrace the one thing they will always have complete control over, the process. This podcast aims to understand this creative process by listening to new works and discussing them with their creators. Each episode focuses on one composer and their music. By understanding how and why they create can inform inspiring composers and help audiences better understand contemporary classical music. I am Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and I'll be your host as we explore the world of new music, creativity, and the human need to find purpose in their world and lives. This is The Process. Named a one-woman dynamo by the Boston Globe, Maria Finkelmeyer is a percussionist, composer, public artist, educator, and arts entrepreneur. Maria has created large-scale multimedia events in public spaces from Cincinnati to northern Sweden, with several locations right here in Boston, including Fenway Park, Charlestown Navy Yard, and Edison Power Plant. Empowered by and curious about the sonic world, Maria finds music, narrative, and collaboration in unexpected places. She's created entire works from found, non-traditional sounds and transformed iconic structures into percussive playgrounds. She has been commissioned by the National Park Service, Blink Cincinnati, TEDx Cambridge, New Gallery Concert Series, I Equals U Festival, the Illuminus Festival, Boston Center for the Arts, and the Outside the Box Festival. In 2018, she released her debut album as a composer, a line that terminates at the present. An experienced entrepreneur, Maria has founded and directed numerous ventures, including Cadence Arts, Make Music Boston, Quartet Kalos, Masseri Studios, and Ensemble Evolution. Dedicated to shaping the next generation of creators, she is an associate professor at Berklee College of Music and lecturer at Northeastern University's Music Industry Leadership Program. moments where I am performing the work of somebody else. There's moments where I'm performing my own work or creating my own work or creating work for an indoor setting or an outdoor setting or just catalyzing an idea that is the creation of a lot of different people. So I've been thinking a lot about this idea, then what is your process? Can you distill it in one sentence or two sentences? And fortunately, the big answer is I can't, but I do have some seeds of... um, 
being really inspired by either narrative catalysts or kind of springboards that that there is some central point or idea or phrase or color or space. So when I'm working in the public space, the the springboard is usually where am I creating for? Am I creating for a park? Am I creating for a bridge? Am I creating for the water? And when I'm creating in a more quote unquote, like Western traditional way, you know, a lot meaning composing, writing a score, then that comes from what is my inspiration? Is it, you know, what story is it a person is a thing, but I am a very much aligning music with something else. And that is really the seed of the process is I need some sort of um, outside stimulus and, and that excites me. And that's why I need that because I, I want music to be this driver that can kind of reach in many different ways. So do you find yourself writing music for the traditional people sitting in chairs in rows, being quiet <laughs> and listening? Is that, do you find yourself writing a, a lot of that music? I think it's changed over time, but that still very much excites me. Absolutely. The idea of an appointment-based sitting to consume a sonic experience is very, I think it's it's really important. It's really touching. And it's really where I originated is kind of in the concertized setting. As my career's progressed, I've gotten excited about, but where else could we do this? Yes. You know, and, and yeah. that has made me really excited. Along with the question of sometimes feeling like a concert hall is inaccessible. And I was so excited about like contemporary percussion music that I, I remember in college always seeing, you know, the same people in the audience or it's your friends or other students and kind of asking the question of like, okay, the, I'm really excited about this music, but who's hearing it? And finding that the percussive arts specifically, um, which has also involved a lot for me into electronic music, is really um, interesting to people. The idea, it's physical, it's visceral, it's like connections there. So um, I think as, as my career and as the questions I'm asking myself as an artist have evolved, I've really been inspired by how do you get outside of four walls um, with also the like comma, but I still really like that too. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that then sometimes too, that audience that you're writing for, if it is, you know, peers or fellow composers or people who are really into this material, do you ever feel like then that becomes somewhat of a closed loop or it can be a closed loop? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what I was always kind of battling with is this, who are we doing this for? I want to build community. I want to learn about other people and I want to learn about other situations and ideas. And, and so I always felt this kind of, um, I like that phrase closed loop felt very much like, okay, well, you know, I'm really excited about your work. You're really excited about my work. And now what, you know? Um, so, so I think it's important to kind of hold on to the camaraderie and the, the appreciation for each other. But I'm also really inspired by how, who, you know, how can I, we get our work collectively out into a greater kind of audience and um, also feeling like people really dig it when you, you just have to meet them where they are. And a lot of times where they are isn't, you know, for me, a lot of times the shows are in like some <laughs> basement sure, yeah, <laughs> or grand concert hall, either one, you know. So you have this idea. Maybe it's a stance. Maybe it's a political stance. Maybe it's an idea. Maybe it's the color red. So you, you have this impetus to create now. So what do you reach for? Do you go to, this is an inside joke, but you're, you're sitting in a room <laughs> full of gongs. So do you reach... <laughs> 
Do you reach to the to the gongs? Do you yeah. wh- where do you go next? Yeah, no, it's um, that is the hardest moment. I think mm-hmm. is that like where do I go when you're sitting in the middle of the studio and you actually have all of these instruments, all of these timbres, and then tools that I don't even know exist because I'm still learning more about electronic music and manipulation of sound. So that is even like a deeper hole for me. And, um, and I, I find myself needing to create parameters at that moment. So I actually have to say, all right, I'm, you know, the color red, I'm going to go find everything that's red period. And those are my tools, you know, in my studio, I have like drum sets, marimba, a xylophone, like weird metal things that my husband makes fun of me because we've moved them like 10 places. And he's like, why do we have <laughs> a bucket of weird for? metal things? Yeah. Like, and you're like, and like they're 20, so important. They're blocks. So- <laughs> and like, they're so important. You know? You've used them on one piece, yes. but they're so important. I yeah. will never get like this <laughs> antique blah, blah, blah. So, yep. um, so I, <laughs> it's, it's true though. It literally just happens. So, um, um, so yeah, I do have to like say, here are the tools I'm going to use right now. And sometimes those tools by the end of the process are totally different, but I have to start somewhere and I have to, I have to give myself parameters and I feel, um, you know, I'm a kind of improviser, um, is, is kind of a lot of where I start too. It's like, I, I find the tools and then I just figure out what sounds they are. So it's like, find those parameters, start to improvise and then start to edit. Like, okay, that doesn't work. This works and find kind of what goes together that way. You know, I think that's interesting. You, you talk about actually limiting uh, resources. And, uh, you know, I, I think it can be really daunting for a young creator who, you know, you can pretty much do anything at this point. And uh, you can get a li- away with a lot too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, and you can kind of use whatever tools you want. So I think that's interesting. You're, you're talking about sort of having to limit that sometimes mm-hmm. just to sort of get something done. Absolutely. And also realizing that limitation isn't the final product, which is something I've had to learn over time because you feel like, well, this is the decision I made and I, it's sacred because that's the decision I made at that moment and allowing yourself to say, well, that might not have been the best decision and you had to start somewhere. So you're not going to write this piece for like 12 drums. You're going to actually go to that bin of metal, you know, items and, and go there and feeling okay with just scrapping idea, just editing it out or just going in a different direction. We heard at the the start of the uh, episode, we heard uh, the piece uh, Necklace of Cosmic Rays. And uh, this is a piece that you did um, as part of another project called Rumble. Um, and that was at Blink uh, Cincinnati. So maybe could you just give us a little sort of forward or idea about this piece and how it's actually what we're actually hearing on the podcast is actually just part of perhaps a larger work. Mm-hmm. So this was um, an, an actual installation of light and sound that the Blink Festival commissioned. I'm a Cincinnati native, so I was really excited oh. when they reached out. And um, the company Brave Berlin, which is a kind of multimedia um, uh, company, said, you know, we want to light up the bridge. You know, what would you do if you had the bridge as a canvas? And I said, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. <laughs> So, um, you know, what, going through a lot of iterations of ideas really just looked at the bridge at this architectural piece of form and sonic playground. So um, I went and sampled the bridge itself. So the bridge is called the Singing Bridge. It's the Roebling Bridge in Cincinnati, Ohio. And when you drive over it, you get this beautiful hum. 
So that was kind of like, let's actually amplify that idea. So, you know, striking metal beams, like taking mallets across grates, um, finding hollow moments and, and kind of getting lo- low sounds. So, you know, grabbing some organic sound as well as looking at the bridge from like a form perspective. And if you can, everyone close your eyes and imagine a bridge. This one is a suspension bridge. So those cables go up and dips in the middle and then goes down at the other side. So there's like this beautiful and music form like A, B, A prime. I noticed listening to the piece, there were sort of three sections. There's also this idea that I've noticed was this echoing and sort of delay type thing. So it was happening to the drums or the percussion. It was happening to even the synths. And and, and even each section, even though each section was a little bit different, there was this sort of an echo or a a repeat that continued to happen. So is is that something that was related to the bridge or visuals or was that just a compositional thing you were you were interested in it's hard to know what came first you know it's hard to say like oh i really was excited when i you know found this echo or was it something that inspired me when i was on site at the bridge i i can say for sure visually this piece um i was thinking a lot about each side communicating with one another so the lighting score, actually, when you hear the baseline, the baseline always comes from the left side, which was the Ohio side. And the melody side visually always came from the Kentucky side. So that was a basis of the lighting design, which also influenced how there's a lot of kind of um, counterpoint in those two lines. And so you actually see them um, cross one another visually. Oh, and and so that probably led to some sort of need of echo like wanting of echo yeah, yeah. and also hearing some of the samples that like, they sounded a little better if they yeah, <laughs> were well, sometimes it's, yeah, in just, that way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to say exactly what came first, but that sure. was a very specific intention was like the conversation between the two sides of the bridge. Oh, well, I love that because in that first section, so in like the first minute and a half, there's the kind of synthesizer idea that really feels like sort of the necklace idea. It's these intertwining yeah. synths. And then there's this sort of juxtaposed against this percussion that sort of yeah. comes in and yeah. then goes away and the, the necklace speaks again. So really yeah. you're saying this was sort of the one end of the bridge, another end of the bridge kind of communicating. Wow. Yeah. Should you worry about the commercial success of your art? So there's two things there. The the should you worry and then what is commercial success? And what I love that you're talking about is the the idea of communicating intention being success. And I think that is definitely to my core. Like that doesn't necessarily mean like financial success all the time. That might 
just mean that I'm really proud of how people digested a piece of work. I am also very um, uh, supportive of financial success mm-hmm. and being, um, you know, it's nice to pay rent. It's nice to pay to rent. <laughs> and I also, to there's this also part of education of like presenters and festivals. And, you know, I'm at a point in my career now that I don't have to state my worth as deeply as I did maybe 10 years ago. Um, you're starting to work in these spaces that do understand that, you know, turning a bridge into a, a you know, sonic and light experience is expensive and takes a lot of time and thought and all of these things. So, um, so I do feel that um, I strive to be uh, as communicative as possible while also um, creating a, a, a strong framework of financial success for myself and my collaborators. Um, now, the idea of worrying about it is another question. And I think it's to strive to communicate as clearly as possible is an intention I have. To stress over that communication and create anxiety is is like something that I try not to do, although I, I do sometimes. You know, sure. I'm, I have a concert tonight and the success of that concert will be, you know, for me, very different than some of the people listening to it, you know, like sure. for me, it, there's a different feeling as a performer. So yeah. Like if you complete it and nothing sets on fire, then yeah. you were successful. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I just feel like this creating a framework that you understand how your work lies in the world financially and from an artistic standpoint mm-hmm. and not being anxious over that success mm-hmm. is, is a, something I strive for. If that's all sort of linked together, then how do you feel about composers who define themselves by these, these creations? As I actually feel like my own personal identity is shifting. I'm finding joy in things other than creating music, like my family. Like I have a daughter Absolutely. now Absolutely. and I was really nervous when I got pregnant. I was nervous. I was like, mm-hmm oh my gosh, like, how am I going to be able to work as hard as I am? How am I going to be able to stay on top of things? Like, how's my identity going to change? How are people going to look at me differently? And I had a lot of fear going into, you know, the shift into motherhood. And, and now that I look back and I just think I was so silly. I was so, oh, because I'm more inspired. I have a deeper understanding of who I am and who my, like what I love and who I love than I ever did before, which is then feeding my artistic creations. So I think this idea that you, your art is, is your identity is actually like, that's also too much pressure. Like be who you are and let your art be a major part of that. Like COVID-19 has been so difficult because there's this disassociation with performance, with people, with humans, which is where my art like stems from. So this whole idea of, of, of only associating yourself with your output is really, um, is really dangerous from a mental health standpoint and something I'm, I'm, you know, we all probably, I don't know if we all struggle with, I struggle with, and I'm also just trying to be kinder to myself to be, be many things at the same time and allow my identity to grow and be fluid. At the beginning of the podcast, you named Europe, Krishnas, the composer, la, 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 la. Right, um, yeah. That was very all articulate, our, all by the way. Titles. Yeah, titles, all our yeah. titles, which, yeah. Yeah. and you're just like, it's, <laughs> it's intense. Calling myself a composer to this day is like, mm-hmm. I don't have a degree in it. And in mm-hmm. the world that I kind of grew up in, mm-hmm. there's people I respect so deeply that have, you know, PhDs and mm-hmm. they're like, mm-hmm. really 
you, Dr. Doug, like, <laughs> and here I am, I'm a composer, like, really? Like, are you Maria? And I think it's, and that's, again, this question of needing to put some, you know, I might contradict myself at the moment, but like, yeah. we need to put titles to have some sort of identity. Cause again, you need to have some sort of, you're trying to communicate. And, and a lot of times for artists, it's hard to, to find that one word or those two words or those three words or four or 10 that, yeah. that you associate with your identity, but we just have to do our best. I do always come back to the idea that I want my art to create a memory. And I think like dislike is kind of, you know, opinion based. And, but did those people, will they remember that evening? Will they remember that experience? And I hope they will. And they'll remember it in their own personal way. So it's successful if there's a reaction. There is this self-serving moment of I created, I went through a process. Mm -hmm. There's work in the world that did not exist before. So that's half of success. And the other half is, were humans, did humans interface with this piece? Yeah, yeah. That for me, it's about like creating a, a, a moment that they'll hold on in some way. And I can't define yeah. that because that could be just like, they thought about their relationship with their father for a second. Right, right. It could be so meaningful. It could like assuage their suffering or it, you know, took their mind off their phone for five seconds. Like it can be anywhere yeah, in that gambit totally. of, uh, <laughs> or spectrum exactly. of. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, yeah, and that's for me, it's that spectrum as long as it's somewhere. Somewhere on that. Yeah. Um, and that's whether it's like a concert or, or listening to something on Spotify or a huge public art piece. You know, I feel like that's really the core. It's really inspiring to hear just about how integrated your process has become. You've been on this journey a while of trying to figure out, okay, I need to be creative. I'm going to be creative. My family, my friends, my life is important to me. Uh, Even the fact that you're from, you know, Ohio or from Cincinnati and that's linked. And now your work is kind of part of that place where you're from that has to be really rewarding to have a link to what you do creatively to kind of who you are and where you came from. So Maria, how can we listen to more of your music? How can we find out more about what you do creatively? All the information you'd ever desire to learn about my work <laughs> is on mariafinkelmeyer.com. Um, and even if you balk the last name, just Google it and you'll get there. I promise. Um, I have, I've been pouring, putting a lot of my electronic stuff on SoundCloud. I have a couple of albums on Bandcamp. Um, and then I have one album on, on Spotify, which if you listen, you'll see the like 
contemporary classical influence, some electronic music, some explorations, some improvisation. So you'll see this kind of like smorgasbord of, of stylistic um, inspiration. And then um, I'm super excited. I'm starting a new creative venture because I'm doing a lot of collaborations and wanted to create a studio name and studio kind of structure that supported collaborations. Um, so that's called MF Dynamics. Um, and I'd love for a follow on social media. We're just starting up. I'm really inspired by my team. And um, this is, you know, this idea of art in the public place and multidisciplinary work um, to really catalyze that and to push it push it forward. So I'm super excited. We'll have, we have some things in the works for the next couple of years. Thank you to our guest, Maria Finkelmeyer, for sharing her time, opinions, and music with us. You can find out more about Maria at mariafinkelmeyer.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share it with others, as well as leave a comment. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and this has been The Process. <laughs>